always present. He is always with us.
of you. feel the Lord is pressing on my heart to pray for our city. We, we live in one of the biggest cities in America. And no matter how you spin it, our city needs Jesus. We serve a mighty God that can serve a mighty city. This city is nothing compared to our mighty God. Though we may forget neighborhoods or, or streets or things of that sort, God does not forget. He sees every single person. Wherever they're at, he knows every single person. Whether they're in violence, whether they are simply just following the latest trend, they, God knows every single person. And he wants them all to come to repentance. Just right now, in your own words, just start praying for this city. Wherever you're located, wherever you're at, even if it's in the suburb, just pray right now. Pray for everywhere you see, every person that you've probably even known. It's just pray for them. Father, I just pray, God, for all the neighborhoods that have been in God. From the, the north side all the way to where we're at today, God. God, I just pray that you would do a mighty movement. A mighty movement within this city, God. We don't limit you. And we're hungry for just to see actual revival happen, God. We will put our hands to the plow. We will do whatever it takes, God. We will empty ourselves, Lord. If it means us emptying ourselves to see this city change, we will do it, God. I will be forefront, God. I will do what it takes, God. Use me, God. Send me, Lord. Let the harvest be plentiful in this city, God. Oh, Lord, I know that there are plenty of people here, God, who want you, who want you, who are waiting to hear the truth, who are waiting to be saved. We're wanting something but don't know what it is just yet, God. I pray that you would reveal yourself to them, that the truth of God would be on their lips, that the truth of God would be in their hearts, that your name would be a name above all names in this city, God. Oh, Lord, you can do it back in this city. You can ignite fire within the very bones of the people here, Lord. You can ignite the very bones. You can start with the young the young people, God, in the schools. You can go to the most busy places, God, in the marketplace. Oh, Lord God, let your name be the, the, the refreshing wind that's going on in the universities, God, where now everybody's starting to talk about Jesus and how he applies to every single aspect of life and of commerce. Oh, Lord, right now, God, I just pray that you would just shake the very foundations of this church, God, that you would instill a deep conviction into the very DNA of all disciples here, God, that whenever we think of this city, God, we have a heart that burns for the lost, that our hearts is always burning for the lost, always yearning to see more people come. 
Oh, Lord God, let us never be satisfied with what we see on Sundays, on Fridays, on Wednesdays, God. But let us always be hungry for more and for more. to expect greater things it's time to expect greater things we put God so many times in the box we say well we'll do it this way we'll do it with this paradigm we'll we'll track our growth this way but God is saying no 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 think of greater things because you are going to experience them they're coming this way they're coming your way be faithful to me be faithful to my word be faithful to my Holy Spirit be faithful to the very words I spoke oh Lord Jesus do it in this do it in this day in this age God even with all the things that hold people back God I say do it in this day and in this age in this city God Chicago's not too far gone God I know that I know that you have plans for it. I know you have great things for it. You, you are the God of this city, Lord. And even though people don't recognize it, God, you still are the God of this city. Jesus. Just 20 more seconds in your own words with faces you've seen in your head right now. It could be the, the store owner of a corner shop. It could be in laundromats that you've been in. It could be in the Walgreens, your cashier, the people you see walking to the bus stop, to the train stop, on the train, in the bus, at your work. When you go to parks, I pray for revival. I pray for an awakening within this city, Lord. Jesus. Lord, I just thank you for this time. Let us never forget to pray for where we're at. Let us never forget to pray for the lands that we are a part of and especially the nations as well, God. Let us never forget to pray because you said in your word that my house would be called a house of prayer for the nations. So today, God, I ask you that you would instill in our hearts, God, a hunger and a thirst to see the lost one even more. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, and everybody said, hallelujah. Awesome. You guys may find your way back to your seat. We are going to be dismissing the King's kids, but I think they're already gone. So they are dismissed already. My name is Pastor Ellie. I obviously, I'm a pastor here on staff within this church. And I get the honor and the privilege to share with you guys the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn right now to Colossians chapter 1, verse 21. Otherwise, it will be on the screen. But Colossians 
chapter 1, verse 21 through 22 says this. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue on in that verse, it will let you know, but you have to continue in faith. I want you all to see this, this scripture verse. This is an inspired word from God. This is God trying to speak to people, and he wants every single person in this room to know, and specifically those who are not saved, that you need to get it right with the Lord. It is not enough to say that I believe. I believe in God. I believe in a higher power. It's not enough to just say that. The Bible makes it very clear that we are alienated from God. And more than that, we have something that's wrong with us. It's called sin. We are naturally inclined to have evil behavior. You might be saying, well, I don't know about that. I, I see evil behavior. Yeah, you know, the people killing each other. I see that in history. But I don't think I have evil behavior. God says it's evil behavior. Any sin that is contrary, anything that is contrary to the will of God is called sin. And likewise, that is the same thing. It's evil. Affairs, they're evil. Lying, it is evil. Mismanaging things because you don't care is evil. Being lazy is evil. It's evil. It's not good. It is not inherently good. There's nothing good about it. So we need to understand that it's not, we're not just putting this one definition in the box and saying that that's reserved for only really bad people that go to prison. No, all of us here have fallen short of the glory of God. All of us at one point or another were worthless. We're not good at all. We're not seeking good. The Bible makes it very clear that we were alienated from God, our very creator who loved us so much, our very creator who knows everything about us. We were alienated from this God because of us, of who we are, our nature. It's a scary thing to understand what humans are really capable of because we have such an inherent desire to do whatever we want. And the Bible says it's evil behavior. We are in our minds warped, gone. But the Bible says this, you can be reconciled to God. You can be reconciled to God. You're saying reconciled, that word reconciled, what does that mean? It means coming back to, going back to this relationship of God. So I want you to know today that you are designed originally for this relationship with God. You don't have to go to the highest mountain to figure out what the purpose of life is, what the meaning of life is. And here it is right there. Be reconciled to God. How do you do that? You don't even have to do anything because already Jesus did it. Jesus paid the price for you to be reconciled. You couldn't make yourself better. You couldn't do anything better for yourself. It's not like that. But Christ, he paid the sacrifice. He paid the sacrifice. And now... If you just believe in him and repent of your sins, believe what Jesus did on the cross, the Bible says that ye will be holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. So if you were to stand before God in a holy trial and God were to ask you, have you followed what I asked you to do? Have you obeyed my law? Have you obeyed this? 
you would have found guilty, but you would have been found guilty before. But now God sees you and says, you are holy. You are free from accusation. You are right. You are in the right place. You have been reconciled to me. You are in a relationship with me. I love you. I know you. I want you to come and inherit eternal life. This is the good news for everybody in this room. For every single person in this place and for this city as well. So I encourage you today, if you have not given your life to God, if you have not been born again, if you have not repented, do not be alienated any longer from God. Do not be separate from God any longer. Be reconciled to God. Believe in what Jesus did on the cross, that he paid it for you. It's a free gift, and all you have to do is believe and repent. Let's pray. Everyone bow their heads and close their eyes. God, you are doing mighty things within the lives of of those here, Lord. God, I ask you that you would just move. Move mightily within hearts. If people are trying to make excuses, right now I pray that you would reveal, that your light, that your truth would reveal what is really going on, that you would convict hearts, God, not so that people can feel bummed out and condemned, but that you would actually save them, God, that they would turn to you, Lord, that they wouldn't be held any longer in their sins or held any longer by the enemy, God, but now that they would be freed out, God, that they would be reconciled to you, Jesus that they would have a real relationship with you, God, not some phony baloney stuff where they come every Sunday and they think they are okay. No, God, I pray right now for real conversions, real salvations in this place, God, where people are coming to you with brokenness, saying, woe is me, a sinner who has broken God's heart and God's commands, but I want to make it right. I want to be in a real relationship with him. I repent of my sins, and I believe that Jesus paid them all. Jesus, I pray that you can do it in this room. You can do it in this church in every ministry, and you can do it in this city. Lord, I pray that you would just open the eyes of everyone who is yet to receive you, God. Have your way. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Everybody can please stand up. If you just felt like you, you, you want to really get things right with the Lord or you want to go deeper with God, we're going to have two prayer workers. We're going to have Pastor Griselda and Elliot right here, and they'll be here to pray with you during the fellowship time. We're going to play a video in a few moments. And I want you just to come up to them, ask them, man, what do I need to do? Please explain to me further, or what can I do to get even closer to God? I really want to see this fully through. I don't want to just come to church and feel like that's enough. I want to, I want to feel him in my life. Then come to them, please, and just let them pray for you. Let them talk to you. Amen? All right. We're going to be doing our confession of faith right now. Our confession of faith is our Christian worldview. It's what uh, the Bible teaches of how, about the world and everything and what we should believe in. So on the count of three, we'll recite it. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus.
I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Hallelujah. Awesome. You guys are free to fellowship. Greet your neighbor. Move around. Talk to them. All right, all right. Who's excited to be at church this morning? Make some noise. Come on, clap it up for Jesus. We are so happy and excited and thankful that you came to join us at Metro Praise International. On behalf of all the pastors 
here at MPI. We thank you for joining us, especially any first-time visitors. We welcome you and would love to see you keep on coming back. Our services here at MPI are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And also we have Elevate every Friday. Oh, come on, Elevators. Do we have not have enough of you guys in here? Where are all of our teenagers? Elevate! That's better. Every Friday at 7 p.m. for ages 11 to 18 years old. They're loving Jesus. They're winning. They're friends for the Lord. And we're just so excited about what God is doing in our young people. Some announcements for you. We have, uh, at the end of the month, our baptism and barbecue service. Come on, who's excited about that? That's going to be Sunday, August 30th for both the 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. service. We're excited about what God is doing People that are new to the Lord or have been walking with him for a little bit and saying, I'm going to come back and I'm going to go all out for God. They're going to be getting baptized. And we just want to encourage you to invite your friends and your family to join us because it's just going to be so much fun. We also want to let you guys know that we have Spanish translation available. So it's good to see some of our visitors who have been using it to come on back. If you have any friends or family that only speak Spanish, this is available to them. So don't let them keep them away from here because we want to extend the love and so they can hear everything in their own language. We also want to let you guys know that we have t-shirts of all sizes stocked up, ready for you to purchase. So if you want them today, you can see me or Pastor Griselda. Get them in the back. All these styles and colors and all of the sizes are back in stock. So we're really excited when you guys sport that. Ishmael, if you could just stand up. Let, let them see this beautiful Chicago for Jesus shirt. Come on. And then Pastor Griselda, this is the Metro Praise one. So they look really nice and fitted and clean. So Make sure you guys get one, and it's just going to be awesome time as we continue on with the announcements. Our vision here is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. Those are the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us. So we want to teach that to you because we want to strive to live like that with all of our heart. And loving God and loving people is a vision that we've said from day one of Metro Praise. So it's not going to change, and we just want to keep telling it to you so you could tell the next person, and that next person could tell the other person. Our discipleship strategy here is three steps. Connect, mentor, and send. Let's say it together. Connect, mentor, and send. The way we want to connect you to the church is through our life groups. On the back of your handout, if you turn it around, we have the schedule for this quarter of our life groups. We want to encourage you and your family to pick a place, uh, the type of life group that meets your needs, a place that you can call home. And there's so many different types, different locations, something that is going to be special for you and your family. We want you connect to connect. That's how you connect to Jesus, connect to the church. And here's a snapshot of what's happening just this week. So much going on. It's never a boring day when you live for Jesus. There's just so much fun and excitement. Today we're kicking it off with our worship team. They're meeting here at the church at 4 p.m. Come on, 201 and up. They're going to be practicing. Our single moms are also meeting today. We love our single mamas in the house, child care is included when they meet 5 p.m. there's the address this tuesday we have the resistance elevate life group 11 to 18 years old meeting at the church at 6 p.m wednesday the righteously redeemed elevate life group 11 to 18 years old meeting at the church at 6 p.m and then every wednesday we have our king's kids life group for infant to 11 years old that's for our royal rangers boys club and impact girls club our children are getting the love of Jesus. They're being discipled. That's their life group. If you have children in that age group, you want them to be here on Wednesday nights at 630. You could drop them up, 
drop them off, and then go have some free time for yourself. And then every Friday, we have two adult Bible studies available for you to build friendships, stay connected, get closer to the Lord. One is at the Govea's house. The other one is at the Walker's house. They both have child care included. It's for 18 years and up, 7 p.m. you got to be there if you're in that age group. It's an awesome time in the Lord's presence and just fellowshipping with other people in the church. And then Saturday, we have our evangelism. All ages are welcome. 5 p.m. meet here hit the streets share your faith it'll refresh you it'll strengthen you and encourage you in your walk with God so there's so much good stuff happening and then we want to mentor you look to your neighbor say get mentored we have leaders ready to take you through our 101 book called welcome to your new life when you graduate the 101 then you get into our 201 class disciples that make disciples where we want to train you to be a leader then we want to send you out to win more people. And our goal here at MPI is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and then 500 around the world. If you believe we could do that by God's grace, say amen. Because we believe it. We've been saying it from the beginning. And we know that you're not here by accident. Every single person in this room, God has a plan for you. And we want to win Chicago for Jesus. And we want the world to know about Jesus. So let's do it together. Look to your neighbor. Say together. Woo. Come on. Right now, we're going to focus our attention on learning about tithes and offerings. All these lessons that we go through every week are coming from the Disciples Giving book. There's 52 lessons for every week in the year. And we are on section three, which is all about stewardship. And today we're going to be talking about lesson five. Stewards can receive more from God. How many of you guys want more from God? We're going to learn how to get that. The definition of stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. And we're going to be reading from 1 John chapter 3, verses 21 through 22. And you can follow along on the screen. 1 John chapter 3, 21 through 22. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. So just to preface, our God, when we ask him for things, he's not a Santa Claus. So it's not like we just come to him and say, God, give us a million dollars, and he's going to give us a million dollars. Our hearts cannot condemn us when we are in his presence, and we know that when we follow his commands, we're going to please him. So let's read the three main points from this. Number one, have confidence in God. Shout out confidence. confidence. The opposite of fear, worry, and condemnation is faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because he only rewards and blesses those who believe he is a good God. I believe he's a good God. I hope that you do too. Therefore, don't let your heart condemn you when you're asking for things according to his will. We have to come before God in confidence, knowing that we're on his side, he's on our side, and then when we ask for things according to his will, he will give it to us. Number two, receive anything we ask. The reason why the believer is promised to receive anything they ask from God is because they pray according to his will. Align your desires with God's heart to receive all he has for you to accomplish your purpose. Number three, keep God's commands. As disciples of Christ, we are to please God by keeping all of his commands, not just because we have to, but because we love to. It's a love relationship with him. We're, we're keeping in communion with him every single day. Here's a summary. Have faith in God to receive all that he has for you. We have to believe that he has good gifts for his children. Let's apply this. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes, which is 10% of your total income, and offerings, anything you give after your tithes, which is an amount between you and the Lord. 
Number two, don't let your heart condemn you because of unbelief, fear, or worry, but rather have full faith and confidence in God that he will meet all of your needs. Number three, please God by obeying all of his commands. Let's recite this confession over our life together on the count of three. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. If you believe that with me this morning, please stand up to your feet as we prepare to give the Lord our very best, our tithes and offerings. And again, here at MPI, we believe that a tithe is 10% of your total income, and an offering is anything above that, which is an amount that is between you and the Lord that you give out of a generous, abundant heart. And we designate our offerings towards missions and building. And currently, we are in a building fund. We thank you for partnering with us to get that Metro Praise International Church lit up sign to go across the building. We're more than halfway there, so we're really believing that we'll be able to purchase that before the end of the year. Again, we thank you. There's so much that we can do when we rally together to, to see God's kingdom come to this earth. And it just takes everybody doing their part and being obedient. And we have two convenient ways for you to give or purchase items in the church with credit or debit cards. One is online at the easy-to-use website, and the other is in the back with me or Pastor Griselda. If you have any questions about that, you can see us after service. Let's recite this verse together. Luke 6, 38. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray this morning. God, we just thank you so much for your faithfulness. We declare, oh God, that you are good and what you do is good. And so, Lord, we will be faithful stewards of all that you've given us to manage in this life. We give it back to you for your glory. Receive the tithes and the offerings so that we can see your kingdom come to this earth as it is in heaven. Use us to make an impact in Chicago and to all the nations around us us, O God, that the gospel will be preached to the ends of the earth, uh, to the ends of the earth. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Thank you so much for your generosity. Please come forward as you give this morning.
for Desi. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, Desi, why don't you tell them what you're doing tomorrow, right? And maybe invite them. Tell them real quick. Come on. So, well, I'm in a competition, a vocal competition. Um, and winner takes $10,000 cold hard cash. Woo! So tomorrow is round nine. So I need all your votes, 21 and over. Woo, vote for me. Amen. So go ahead and follow her on Facebook if you don't have her, and you can find out where she'll be performing and join with her. Everybody say grace. Awesome. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. we got to think about how in the next sermon series we're going to make that song exciting. I think the next sermon series is going to be on the kingdom of God. i got to come up with something. So, Adam, I'm looking at you and some creative folks because I think we're getting pretty attached to that beginning song. It gets us back in the mood for the sermon. Amen. And uh, by the way, we got our air conditioning fixed. It is much cooler now. I believe we can avoid putting up those cumbersome uh, ceiling fans. And I think just during a hot day like today, we can just put out these fans. So I just want to thank you guys for always supporting the building, the church, the building fund, and the tithes and offerings. And we're always here just to steward the money the best way possible as well. And so we're very happy with the temperature today. If you feel a little bit hot, sit next to one of these fans. And this is probably one of the hottest days, last uh, one of the last hottest days of the year, so enjoy it. I don't want to see nobody complaining, okay? It's better to be here than in a blizzard, right? It's better to have this than a blizzard, and uh, before you know it, it's going to go away, and so enjoy summer. As your pastor, I say enjoy summer. How many want to enjoy summer? How many were going to enjoy it, whether I said it or not, okay? I've been getting a tan. I've been looking like I've been going to tropical islands on vacation, but really, I just sit out in my backyard, and I watch my kids play. That's all I need to do. That's it. And then sometimes we go uh, out for ice cream and take walks and bike riding and all those fun things. All right, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Today, we're going to be talking about growing in grace. Everybody say, grow in grace. Wonderful. This is going to be a great message to encourage you to mature, to grow, to go to another level with God. So let's start with the scripture that we've been going through all this series long. Let us learn something new from it, reading it as if it was the first time, and then hear what God has for us today. Look at this scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For it is by what? Grace. Thank you. For it is by grace you have been saved. Through what? Faith. Everybody remember this today. It's by grace through what? Faith that you have been saved. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so here's something I want you to have in this introduction real quick, a insight into this scripture. I want you to think about this word right here, that no one can boast. Everybody say boast. Thank you. I want you to think about what it means to brag or to boast or to think that you're better than somebody else. The Bible says you cannot do that when it comes to salvation. You can't say, look at me. I'm so awesome. I, I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I, I am boasting in all that I have done and accomplished. You can't do that. You can't say that salvation is something that you did. Salvation is something that God did. And I want you to think about this illustration. Imagine you are dying of cancer. 
There is no cure for you, and they have given you just a few weeks to live. But imagine if there was a doctor that had a cure, and he said, do you want the cure? He just simply asked you, do you want the cure? Let's say it was like taking a shot of NyQuil, just a little bit, boom, and you would be healed, right? Like a liquid cure. And he says, do you want it? If you said, yes, I want it, and you took it, could you boast in healing yourself? Could you go around saying, I healed myself of cancer. Look at me. I'm so awesome. Now, think of this. Boasting has a lot to do with comparing yourself to others. I'm better than you because I have a better house than you. That's what we consider boasting, right? I'm better than you because I make more money than you. I have more education. That's how we boast in this world. And God says don't do that, especially with salvation. We shouldn't look at our culture and society and go, I'm better than you. I'm better than you gangbangers. I'm better than you people having sex outside of marriage. I'm better than you in the homosexual community. I'm better than you Muslims. I'm better than you Catholics. Nah, 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 nah. We shouldn't be boasting that way. Why? Because we didn't cure ourselves. We didn't save ourselves. And the same grace that saved us will save them. And the same God that loved us loves them. We were reading a story to our children yesterday. And um, the story is of Tortiano and uh, what are their names? My wife's in there, but there was a silly name. Let's just say it was a story about Bob and Mike, okay? Because it was like Lala Piano and Tortiano. Sounded like Italian names from my culture, but I'm just like, let's just make it simple. Bob and Mike, okay? But uh, Bob and Mike are these children, little baby rabbits, and one of the rabbits is a good rabbit and the other one's a bad rabbit. They both have the same mom, but one doesn't listen to the mom. The other one listens. And so the idea is we're teaching our children you should be like the good rabbit. Listen to your mom. Listen to your mom. Right? How many think lessons like that are good? We should teach our children that. Right? Three of you? What else do you think we should teach our children, those who didn't raise their hands? Should we teach them not to listen to our mom? Let's see if we're participating today. How many think it's a good idea to have lessons where we teach our children to listen to their parents? Okay. Thank you for being up and participating. So we were doing this, and I felt at the end that I needed to ask my daughter this question. Which one did the mother love more? Did she love Bob, the good one, or Mike, the bad one? Which one did she love more? And I was so proud of my six-year-old daughter when she said the mother loved them both the same. That is how God thinks about us. When he looks at us in this world, what were the names of those? Do you remember the names of the rabbits? Come up here quickly and let's say it over the mic so everybody across the world and World Wide Web can hear these beautiful names. Tretino and Lapino. There we go. The most silliest names I've ever heard. <laughs> Bob and Mike. Amen. It's so funny because they're Italian. Like I should be proud that they're learning these Italian names. But I'm like, no. I'm like, just call them something we can easily remember. Because I didn't remember and I want to know if my children remember. So ask them today if they remember. If not, we're going to change the names of the, the characters. But we, as Christians, we can come to church for a few months, maybe a few years, and all of a sudden we can start to boast. We can get involved in the politics of our world and look down on others who don't see things from our alabaster or from our ivory tower, rather. We'll be up in our ivory tower of intellectualism and spirituality, and we can just look down so easily at the peasants of this sinful world. And yet the Bible says that 
No man can boast. No one boasts. No one has the right here to stand upon this earth and say, look what I've done. Look at how great I've become. No, if there are any masterpieces upon this earth, if there are any handiworks of God upon this earth, it is because God alone has made them. It is because God is the painter and we are the canvas. God is the potter and we are the clay. God is the father and we are the children. So when we boast, and we should be excited for what we have. It's okay to be happy about your car. It's okay to be happy about your house, your new shoes. But when we boast about our salvation and all that God has done, we boast in Jesus. We say things like this to our coworkers. God has been good to me. Through my trials and my troubles, God has kept me. Is there anything I can pray with you about? Because I have faced times, my fellow co-worker, where my strength failed me. My wisdom came to nothing. It came to naught. But my God was greater in me than he that was in the world. My God made me a conqueror. And my fellow co-worker, he'll do the same for you. So I do want to make you jealous. And the Bible says he does want to make the world jealous of his church. He wants the world to say, I want what they have. But my friends, let us not confuse the jealousy as something that we have done in ourselves. If the world sees anything good in us, it's because of what God has done. He has worked on us. Isn't that amazing? I'm so excited about that. That's all grace, baby. Now look at the definition of grace. I've given you a new one halfway through this series. Some of you are becoming familiar with this one. But I want you to really look at some of the parts here and ask yourself, do I grasp this the way God wants me to grasp it? Grace is God's undeserved favor. That's another word for kindness, love, help, and enablement made available through Jesus Christ and given to believers by the presence of the Holy Spirit. So grace is coming to us by the Holy Spirit sent from the Father and purchased by the Son. Because of God's grace, we can experience His mercy, forgiveness, and the power to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. Now, I was just sitting the other day in my prayer closet, and uh, my wife and I have been blessed to have a lazy boy in our bedroom, and that's just another level altogether. And uh, now, for the first time in my life, I can do my Bible study in my bedroom without doing it on my bed and notes everywhere. Literally for 20 years of Christianity, most of my sermons have been done on my knees, which is a good place to be, but leaning over my bed, writing things. And so now in my bedroom, that place where I meet with God, I can get out of bed, sit in this lazy boy, crank it back, and just get goodies from God. It's good to be blessed, is it not? Amen. I'm not boasting about a boat today. I'm not boasting about a paid vacation. I am boasting about a seat in my bedroom to pray and hear God's voice. Is that not awesome? 
ask anybody if that's what they do with their lazy boy. You would probably want to take it out of my room, some of you men, and put it in front of your TV so you could watch the Cubs lose every week. But I have it in my bedroom so I can watch Jesus make me a winner every week. Amen. Praise God. But I was sitting in that lazy boy, hallelujah, and I was relaxing and just hearing from God. And this definition came to life because I began to receive God's grace and mercy in a new way. I put up a video on YouTube about it, and you can go and check it out. But the idea was, you see, I grew up as an only child. And when I was watching these home videos with my family, I realized, uh, just recently, I realized just how lonely I really was. I was looking at this home video of me visiting my grandparents in southern Illinois on the farm, my Italian grandparents, who would have been very happy to meet Lapino and Trattiano and all of them. Yeah, my wife loves that. And because uh, their last name was Bodrero, you know, hey, uh, Bodrero. And uh, I looked at this home video, and it's one of those real awkward ones, you know. It's like where nobody's doing anything significant, but the video's on. And it's my mom, my dad, my grandma, my grandpa, my great-grandma, and my great-aunt all sitting around the table just eating their Italian sausage and bread, which was cool, right? And then me, the only child by myself. And I got this revelation of, wow, I did grow up lonely. This is probably one of the reasons why I love to be around people so much. As an only child, this was a vacation for me. This was what it was like. And my dad said, you always used to talk. You always were a talker. And he himself said, while he watched that, now seeing me as an adult, he goes, I know why you were talking all the time. You had nobody else to talk to. I might just cry right now telling you this story. But as I was sitting in that lazy boy, Hearing from Jesus, I heard the scripture, and you can put it up, Psalm 68. I heard this psalm come into my heart that God spoke to me. And he said these words to me that he said in Psalm 68. He said, God sets the lonely in families. Verse 6. He leads out the prisoners with singing. I was arrested eight times as a juvenile delinquent. But the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. And it just hit me. In my days of rebellion, I was in a sun-scorched land. I tried to find my identity, my friendship with people of the world and of drugs. 68 verse 6. Psalms 68 verse 6 so everyone can see it. Thank you. But grace came. Grace came and rescued me as an 18-year-old young man and said, Joe, I'm going to set you in a family and I'm going to lead you out of captivity. God sets the lonely in families and he leads out the prisoners with singing and that is grace. That's what it looks like in your pastor's life. It looks like a rebellious teenager being set into a family. And 10 years later, I got married. And now 10 years later, I have four beautiful children. And that morning, that morning, all four of my children woke me up in bed 
with my wife. And God spoke that to me. And he said, Joe, remember that? How you grew up? Even with a mom and a dad, you still felt alone. But I set you in a family. This is your place where you belong. This is where they love your jokes. They love to spend time with you. They bum rush me in the morning and they are drug out at night. Are you listening? How many can relate to God's grace doing something like that for them? I want you to think about that as we go back to our notes. Today, God wants you to grow in grace. He wants you to be able not only to look to the past and say, this is what God did in me, but he wants you to be able to look at right now your life and say, this is what he's doing in me. He's done amazing things in the past, but he's also doing things right now. And then guess what? It even gets better. He promises to do amazing things in the future. Look at this scripture with me. Everybody turn with me now to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. If you want to grow in grace, somebody say amen. 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 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. Last week we, we talked about grace for the humble, and that came from Peter as well. And now we're talking about growing in grace. Another scripture from Peter. So Peter has a lot to say about humility. Why do you think Peter has so much to say about humility? Does anybody know the story of Peter? Walking on water, thinks he has it, then he looks away, he sinks, God has to rescue him. Does anybody else remember his life? When Jesus asked, who do people say that I am, he gave the right answer. He said, Jesus, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, the Son of God. But then a few moments later, when Jesus said, I have to die on the cross, Peter said, never, we won't let you do it. No, Lord, you can't save us. We'll all go to hell. Later on at the Last Supper, Jesus wants to wash the disciples' feet. Jesus says, this is good that I do it. Peter won't even let him do it because of his own pride. You know, a lot of times when people won't let you serve them, it's not because they're so humble. It's because they're so prideful. And yet at that same table, Peter is told he will betray Jesus three times. He doesn't believe it. He argues with Jesus. And then we see that he not only betrays Jesus to soldiers and to people who might threaten him, but he betrays Jesus to a little girl and curses her out. Is it any wonder that this Peter teaches so much about grace? Grace. Is it any wonder he says so much about humility? I wonder what Peter would teach us here today. His letters tell us his exact words, but I wonder how he would apply these words. So before we read it, I want you to think if Peter was here today, how would he give you an introduction to these words? What would he say to many of you here about grace? Would he say to some of you here, I know that you want to quit on Jesus. I know that you think it's too hard to live for Jesus. I used to think that too. But by Jesus' grace, he taught me how to live for him. I wonder if Peter would say that to some of you if you've considered quitting on Jesus. I wonder also if Jesus... Uh, rather, if Peter w would say to some of us here, especially in the ministry, if he would say to us, I know some of you here, 
you think you've seen it all. Some of you in ministry, you think you've read it all, you've done it all. I used to think I knew him that way, that there was nothing else to learn. I had it all down, but I missed the most important thing he was teaching, grace through the cross. And so ministers here, might Peter say to us, you haven't seen all the grace and love of God. There's still more for you. Peter speaks to us today, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Let's look at this. At the end of his second letter, Peter wrote two letters, 1 Peter and 2 Peter. This is at the end of that second letter, chapter 3, and it's literally the last words. Therefore, dear friends, since you have been forewarned. Everybody say forewarned. We'll get to that in just a moment. Thank you. It says, be on your guard so that you may not be carried away by the error of lawlessness and fall from your secure position. But grow in grace, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be both the glory now and forever. And everybody says, Amen. You see, Peter had been warning in this letter. To Christians who knew Jesus, he was warning in this letter to good people, you may be deceived into thinking you can live however you want and still ask God's grace to forgive you. And he was saying, if you think that grace is a license to sin, if you think that grace is powerless and does not lead to transformation, you will fall from your secure position. See, imagine you being in a tower. In that tower, there, on that tower, there's a platform. And there's quite a bit of, you know, um, protection, like wall built around you. And there you stand. And the enemy, let's say all the enemy has an, as an axe, and maybe this is something like uh, you would see in The Walking Dead. Okay? They can't climb. Your enemy can't climb. Your enemy can't shoot an arrow at you. But you're in a tower, safe, walls around you. You can peer through the window. No way. They're getting you. No way. You are so secure. You are so safe. But if you choose, you can jump out. If you choose, you can fall from that position. That's what the Bible is teaching. When you are saved, you are saved and made free from the devil. He can no longer drag you to hell. He can't make you do anything. He uh, is a defeated foe. And for this time on earth, he will try to get you to come down to him. He will try to get you to leave your secure position. And he'll do it by deceiving you, just as he did with Adam and Eve. He cannot force you. He cannot make you. But he can lie to you. He can say, Come down from your secure Christian position and live like me. God will still understand. Leave the authority of the word of God. Stop standing on God's word and stand down here with the reason and intelligence of man. Don't stand upon the blessings of God. Strive down here for the success of the world.
gain the world with me here, he'll say to you. Just like he said to Jesus, I'll give all of this to you if you'll bow down, come to my level. And yet Peter is warning us. He's saying, don't let this happen to you. Don't fall from that position. Don't get carried away by the error or the false teaching of lawlessness or the lawless. Don't let anybody tell you that now because you're a Christian that there still isn't the law of Christ in your life. That there are not commands to follow. Don't let somebody trick you and say just because there's forgiveness, now that means anything goes. No, because truly the Christian, the Christ-like person will be like Christ. And should they sin, they will not fall from that position. Why? Because even if they sin, they'll be quick to repent and say, no, 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 no. My sin may lead me there, but I'll stop it now. I'll repent of it now. I don't want to go where this sin leads. Now, if you've read the whole book of 2 Peter, there's really no outline to how to grow in grace. Because how many think we should grow in grace? If Peter says, don't fall from your secure position, but rather grow in grace, how many want to go back through this letter and find out how I grow in grace? How many care what Peter said? Let's start there. Okay, once again, we are participating today. Do you want to know how to grow in grace? Well, it takes a little bit of thought. I went back through this passage, uh, this book, and I found this passage, and turn there with me, please, now to uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, 3 through 11, and I want to see if you can make the connection that I had to make in this same way. Would you leave up the notes for me, please? See if you can see the connection. Now, remember when I told you when we read the introductory scripture, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. I asked you to remember that, did I not? Because I said it would apply later on. Now let's see here. I won't read this all quite yet because we'll study this out further today for our sermon. But I want you to see why I'm going back to this part of 2 Peter. You see, what he teaches us is that we have a new nature. We have to deny the sinful desires. And then he says that we need to make every effort to add to our faith these qualities. And that later on, he says, if we possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive because if we don't have them, we'll be nearsighted and blind. Look at this. Forgetting that we have been cleansed from what? Past sins. So track with me. Peter says at the end of his letter, don't you fall from your secure position. Don't you fall for lawlessness, but rather grow in grace. Now where does he teach us to grow in grace? He teaches us that by adding qualities to our faith, we will not forget that we have been forgiven of our past sins. How are we forgiven of our sins? By what? Grace through So if I want to grow in grace, how do I really grow in grace? What must I grow in? I have to grow in faith. 
Think of that. It's not a trick. This is Peter writing to you, telling you to grow in grace, and you're saying, how do I grow in grace? And he's saying, this is how you grow in grace, is by adding things to your faith. And when you add these qualities to your faith, you will be sure never to forget what God has done in your life and how he's forgiven you from sins. That's why you won't be lured down from your secure position. Isn't it something, just take a moment to think about this, isn't it something how the devil always loves to remind us of our good days as a sinner, but he never reminds us of the horrible days? Some of us here who maybe had sex outside of marriage or partied, he'll, he'll say, let us relive this moment in your past. And he'll tempt you with it. And he'll remind you of that time when, you know, you had money and you went out and bought this and spent that and drank that and this person did this with you. And he'll remind you of that wonderful time. Why is it the devil, as he's luring you down, doesn't remind you of the time you had to bury your sister because of drinking and driving? She died. My sister died drinking and driving. How come he doesn't remind me of that when he lures me out? How come he doesn't try to get me from the secure position saying, hey, come down here and you may die like your sister died drinking and driving and leave your children to be adopted and raised by others? How come when he lures me, he lures me down with that one day, that one time, that one moment when sin was so pleasurable? Because he knows what we want. He knows we don't want the cost of sin. Sin costs too much. He's not going to tell the married man here what it's like looking your children in the eye saying, I am divorcing your mother for another woman. He's not going to tell you what that will do to your children. But he'll have you fantasize about that woman at work. He'll have you thinking you keeping all this money to yourself will provide such a great future for your children. And he'll tell you, don't tithe, don't give offering. Because remember when you were a sinner and you had all of this money. But he won't tell you how though you had all of that money, you were still miserable on the inside. Because your selfishness could not be satisfied with the money you spent. Why is it the devil, he tricks us like that? And why is it we fall for it? It's because we're not strong in our faith. Because if we were strong in our faith, we would know where the devil is trying to bring us, where he's trying to lead us. We would know what that old serpent the devil is up to. And we would say, get behind me, Satan, just like Jesus said to him. We would say, you have nothing for me because I have faith in a good God. That has everything I need. And whatever I go through now that is troubles and trials, he even works it for my good. And let me just say this to some of you here today. If you think troubles and trials come worse because now you're a Christian, maybe your family rejects you, or maybe you spend more time at church and less time at the gym, and that's the excuse you use. But I want you to hear something today. The devil is such a liar. Whatever you have ever considered the worst day of being a Christian, it is a hundred times better than your best day as a sinner. And if you don't know God that way, then I pity you because you are in religion and not a relationship. 
I have looked over these 20 years of serving God, and as I mentioned before, burying my sister in drink where she was drunk driving and all of these tragedies I've gone through and all the losses that I've faced. I'm telling you, my worst days, my hardest days as a Christian are so much better than my best pinnacle days as a sinner because God was within my heart warming my soul. He was abiding in me and me in him. Amen. Let's read this passage and see how we too can build our faith and grow in grace. How many want to grow in grace? All right, let's look at it now. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Does anybody need divine power today? To live a godly life. The Bible says you got it through your knowledge of him. Through these, his glory and his goodness, he has given us very great and precious promises. And where are those promises found? They're found in the Bible. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You're not the he- you're not the tail, you're the head, you're not beneath, you're above. All of these promises are there. I'm coming for you one day, right? All of them are there. Through these. He's given us his great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the what? Everybody say the divine nature. Think of the word participate as dance. Because when you dance, you have to participate with your partner. Now, if you participate with me, you're not going to have a good time. I was at Adam's wedding, and, you know, it was the dance with the bride time. You get some money, and David Santiago, I think I owe you some singles because I never carry cash on me. But I was the first one to dance with the bride, but I had no idea what I was doing. This is somewhat what I was doing. You see, I wasn't participating as much as I ought to. I didn't know the moves. I didn't know how to bachata and merengue and whatever else there is. I don't know how to do those things. But, oh, when you watch somebody who knows how to do it, like Griselda and Berto, and you watch the fluid participation of each member of their body participating with the other member, the legs going simultaneously together, you know, moving as one. It's amazing. That's what participation looks like. It's dancing with someone. It's exciting. It's fun. And the Bible is saying that you get to participate. You get to dance in the divine nature. You get to move with the Lord. You get to go on your job and have your attitude conform to his attitude. You get to move your hips with your family and move together as one. God is saying, I want to participate with you. Will you dance with me? says, through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Wearing tight yoga pants and eating vegetables won't have you escape your evil desires. That's fun if you want to do it. That's fine if you want to do the crooked pelican, whatever those yoga moves are. That's not what God said. He said you want to escape the world and its evil desires, those things in your flesh, you want to escape it, dance with me. Be my partner. Participate with me. Start the day with me. Go through the day with me. End the day with me. Dance with me. Amen. 
Hallelujah. You're going to go home and tell your friends that Jesus want to dance with me. Come on. Yes, he does. For this very reason. For what reason? That God wants to participate with me. And he brings the divine nature. And I bring my weakness. And he wants to do that. So for this reason, to live a godly life in a jar of clay, my precious soul is like a precious wine in just a miserable-looking jar of clay. Now, I know our bodies are fearfully and wonderfully made, but some of them are starting to fall apart. My eyes are going dim. And so that's why the Bible says the precious soul is in a jar of clay. It's not in a marble vase. It's in a jar of clay. And so I bring to God my soul in this body with its weakness as it's dying, and I get to participate in his divine nature. For that reason, I need to add things to my faith. See, now I need to grow. Now I need to do things, not just sit back and say, dance with me, Jesus. And it's like he's dancing with a corpse. It's like if you ever saw it's an old movie, Weekend at Bernie's, they go to see their friend Bernie, he dies, and then they got to pretend he's alive the whole time, and they're dancing with him, they're playing tennis with him, just playing tennis with the dead body. No, Jesus is just not going to make you do things. Look at what it says. Make every effort to add to your faith these things. And what are they? Let's read them together. Goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, Godliness and to godliness, mutual affection and to mutual affection, love. And we'll go over those seven things. Now look at what Peter says. He says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, increasing measure means to continually grow. If you'll have a faith that is always growing in these ways, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Anytime I meet someone that says they are not being fulfilled by God, they are not growing in the Lord, God is not doing things in their life, it is because they are not increasing in these areas. That is why they are ineffective and unproductive. If you come to me and you make God to be the problem, I'm going to explain to you very subtly, uh, maybe very softly, humbly, maybe not so softly, but gently rather, that God is not the problem. You're not growing. God is not at fault. It is what you have done in your own life. Now, bad things can happen to you that are not your fault. My mother prayed for her daughter almost her entire life. And she still chose alcoholism and died drinking and driving. And that day, it was still good with my mom's soul. Because God is good. God is good. And though my sister made bad choices, my mom knows that God is still good. Are you listening? Even in death, even in tragedy, God will use these wicked things for his glory and his goodness. So you can be on the side of God's blessing or his curse, but either way, God will get glory. Think of it that way. God will get glory when he sends the devil and his followers to hell, and God will get glory when he dwells upon the new earth with his people. Do you want to be those that get sentenced to hell? 
and to suffer eternally and to be seen as the defeated foe of God? Because we'll be shouting as God defeats his foes. Or do you want to be seen as those on the victor side shouting, we have won, we have overcome. Amen? Look at this in closing. For if we possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep us from being ineffective and unproductive in our knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So if you don't have these, you have forgot. You've been cleansed. You've been forgiven. Because if you truly knew you had been forgiven, truly knew that you had been transformed, you would not stop growing in these areas. You see, it's when you really know what God has done for you that motivates you to read your Bible, to pray, to have a Christian witness, to go in, into the world and shine as a bright light. It's because you know what God did for you. Amen? Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. For if you do these things, everybody say, do these things, you will never stumble. I didn't promise you that. Peter did, inspired of the Lord. You know why? Because I think Peter looked at his life and he goes, hmm, when I stumbled here, what was I lacking? One of these things up here. Oh, when I cursed out that slave girl, what was I lacking? Something here. Peter went probably through every part of his life and realized every time I stumbled, every time I sinned, it was because I was lacking in this. Meaning if I now as a Christian did not allow my life to be distracted and forget that I had been forgiven, but if I continued in these things, I would never stumble. Meaning the Christian who has been born again and forgiven of sin never has an excuse to sin again. Now, will God forgive the Christian of sin? Yes, he will. But we don't have an excuse because we have been given faith, grace, salvation, and every one of these attributes freely by the Spirit so that we can grow into them. So ask yourself this simple question if you don't believe me or the Bible. Number one. Has there ever been a time when you sinned and there wasn't an option to not sin? Was there ever a time you stumbled and you didn't have a choice? Now ask yourself this. If every time I look back at the times I stumbled, if every time I look back at those times, excuse me, when I look back at those times, do I see that if I would have done one of these things, I would not have stumbled? What happens to the person who continually stumbles on that tower? They fall from their secure position. Do not continue in sin stumbling when God has asked you to grow and to mature. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Vinny, can you come to the keys, please, in closing? Here's how we grow in grace according to Peter. Number one, we acknowledge that God's power is with us. Because he has already given us everything we need. That passage that we just read started off with this. It says, therefore, friends, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. So if you are already saved and have been forgiven of your sin, how do you grow in grace? You acknowledge that at the point of your salvation, God's power gave you everything you need, baby. 
God's power has already set you free. God's power has already rescued you. He is saying, do you want to dance with me now? He has already beaten up that bully, the devil, who drug you to that prom, told you if you didn't put out, he wasn't going to be with you no more, drug you to that prom, embarrassed you in front of everybody. Jesus already beat up that bully. What was the bully of Back to the Future? Biff. He already beat up Biff. He's already set you free from Biff. Praise God. What's the second thing Peter says? Believe and confess God's promises. It's through these, his glory and goodness, that he gives us great and precious promises so that we can participate in the divine nature. So God's power is coming to us, but how does faith understand the power? Through the Word of God. Through the Word of God. So let me give you an example. If you today were dying of that disease and I gave you the cure, I could now tell you the ingredients of the cure and you could make it for others if you had the ability. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Jesus sets us free and then he gives us the promises of what he is going to do and how he's going to do it and so we can stand in our victory now knowing that if he's been good to us in the past and in the present he'll be good to us then and the book of Revelation is not scary it's full of promises I'm not getting cast into the lake of fire my boast is in Jesus I'm ruling and reigning upon the earth. That promise encourages me today when I see ISIS behead my fellow believers in Christ. What else would encourage us? Oh, we'll go and just kill our enemies. That's what we'll do. Well, maybe we need to do that, but after we've killed them, have we gotten back our beheaded Christians? No, but we have a promise. Think of this that all those who have been beheaded and slain for Christ are underneath the throne of God now, crying out for justice, clothed in white, and will one day come back with him to rule and reign upon the earth. You see, when we believe that promise, we grow in grace because we remember what God did for us and what he's promised to do for us. And then we add to our faith these practical things. So when people come to me and say, oh, faith and Bible, that's all mystical. You know, it's like, oh, faith and hope. Where is hope? Where can I buy it? Where can I get faith? What color does it come in? Can I wear it to school? Can I put it on my keychain? Yes, faith is something that's not tangible. But these things are as you live your life. These demonstrate that faith is real. You see, when the soldiers hit the shores of Normandy for World War II, there in France, they didn't know if they were going to make it to the other side of that beach. But they had faith that it was worth it and that if it wasn't them, one of their brothers in arms coming behind them would be sure to pay a visit to those Germans hiding in those holes. 
You see, faith says, though I'm in a world full of pain and sorrow, though I'm here right now and people mistreat me, though I see my fellow soldiers come and go, people come and go from the church, it doesn't matter. I'm marching on with Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none may follow, I still will follow. Amen. So I add to my faith this inner hope, goodness. Treat people right, even if they treat me wrong. Knowledge, I study. Sir Isaac Newton, who discovered physics and gravity, wrote more about the Bible than he did about science. So we study it all, creation and scripture, and we become the best in our families, in our jobs, and on our community. Self-control. I control myself. I make my body a slave to the will of God. Though my flesh is weak, my spirit is willing. And it is in my weakness of flesh that God's power is known through His grace, Paul said. Therefore, I boast in my weakness because then God's grace is really known. When you know who's really holding this microphone, you don't boast in the strength of a 38-year-old young man getting his doctorate. You boast in the grace of God that saved an 18-year-old high school dropout arrested eight times who was a drug addict and was tore up from the floor up. You understand it's God's grace. And it gives us self-control. Look at your neighbor and say, keep it under control. Perseverance means you don't quit. What's the difference between those of us here who stick with our health uh, goals and those of us who don't? Perseverance. What's the difference with those of us here who stick with jobs that we don't like when we don't like them? Perseverance. And those who don't, they quit. God's not looking for quitters. He's looking for people who say, God, even if I don't see you now, even if I don't feel you now, I'm not quitting because even though there's weeping in the night, I know there's joy coming in the morning. It may be dark now. It may be painful now, but I know nothing can stop the sun. You will shine on me again, Jesus. I won't quit on you, Lord, because you didn't quit on me. Godliness, God-likeness. It means when I look at God, I want to be like Him. It means I want to move like Him. I want to talk like Him. No more excuses of, well, I'm just a human. No more excuses, well, nobody's perfect. No more excuses, well, my mama did it this way. My dad did it. No more excuses. I want to be like God the Father. For Jesus said, be ye perfect, for your heavenly Father is perfect. And hey, if I mess up, that's okay. Because I would rather be achieving something that's God-like than settling for something that's only made of flesh and blood. I don't want to be like Donald Trump. I don't want to be like Lady Gaga. I don't want to be the next superstar. I want to be like God. And if I can be like God and do any of those things, business, whatever, I'll do it differently than the way the world does it. Mutual affection, brotherly love, caring for one another. Jesus said it so simply, do unto others as you want done unto you. 
So you want to grow in your faith? You want to grow in grace? You you don't want to stumble and fall from this position of security? You don't want to forget what God's done for you? Then make happen for others what you want to have happen to you. In every situation you find yourself interacting with people, do a heart check and say, am I treating them the way I would want to be treated? Even in tough situations, if I am spanking my child, if I was a child being disciplined by my father, is this how I would want to be spanked? If I have to fire an employee, if I had not been a good employee and my boss needed to fire me, is this how I would want to be fired? It's not just easy times we treat others the way we want to be treated. In all times, are you listening? If somebody was going to be in my life today and follow me around like a reality camera, a reality show with a camera, I would not want you to be ashamed of me. I would want you to see two things in my life when it comes to this. He loved people as himself. And number two, when he didn't, he said he was sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me, post office worker. I just got mad at you. That wasn't right. I've had to do that in the post office. Can't even remember what it was, but it was in the post office. Me and the woman got into an argument. Forgive me. Forgive me, air conditioning worker, because we were trying to get a hold of him, right? Forgive me if I wasn't kind to you, because I had to tell him a thing or two when I saw him, right? But it's this idea of I will love people as Jesus loves them in the way I should love them, or I will repent when I don't. And then lastly, love. The Bible is asking us to add these things because they're important and we can add these things. You miss any of these ingredients, it's like baking a cake. You forget the sugar, you're missing something. It won't taste the same. You forget the cinnamon, you're missing something. You forget the yeast, you're missing something. You forget the flour, you're missing something. The Bible says increase in all of these things and you'll watch your faith continue to grow. It won't always come to you easy. It won't always come, please put highlight that. It won't always come to you naturally, but it will come if you're faithful. And then lastly, he said, you make every effort to confirm your calling. You make every effort to confirm that where you're standing is where you want to be. And I want you to think about this in closing. This is a sentence here I just came up with. Please think of this as I read it. Grow in grace because you were saved to live a faith-filled God kind of life, participating in Jesus' divine nature, escaping the world's corruption caused by the flesh's evil desires, and looking forward to a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you want to grow in grace, would you stand up and bless the Lord with me today? If you want to grow in grace, praise the Lord today with me. A few more moments. A few more moments. Come on, praise Him. Praise Him. We want to grow, Jesus. We want to grow, Jesus. We want a faith-filled God kind of life. Woo! Hallelujah! I'm looking forward to being with you, Jesus. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Hallelujah!
God, you are good. Would you just raise your hands and tell them in your own words, God, you are good. Man, would you come, please? God, you are good. It's your grace that saves us. It's your grace that changes us. It's your grace. It's your grace, God, and I thank you, God. A few moments, just tell them thank you. We raise our hands as a sign of surrender. We close our eyes to rid ourselves of distractions. And we open our mouths because this is why they were created for fellowship with him. Would you thank him in your own words right now? Come on, hands raised, eyes closed. Focus. Focus on a king who came for you. As they were getting ready to crucify Jesus, Pilate said, so you're a king? And he said, it is true. And then he said, where is your kingdom? And he said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it was, my servants would fight. But you will see me come again on the clouds of heaven. Hallelujah. A king came for you not to conquer you with a sword. Listen to me, everyone. I plead with you. Listen to me. Jesus didn't come to conquer you with violence and a sword. He came to die for you and conquer your heart. Jesus came to conquer your heart. He wanted you to freely choose him. He wanted you to freely know who you were, who he was, and what he was offering. He wanted you to know who you really were. That's why he went around talking about repentance and calling people sinners. It wasn't because he was mean. He just wanted man to know this is who you are. This is the mirror of your soul. My words, my law shows you who you are. You're a lawbreaker. You've lied, you've taken things, you've lusted. You've been angry with your brother. You've blasphemed my name. You've been greedy, you've been selfish. And then he wanted you to know who he was. Why do you think he walked on water? Just so we could all sit here and talk about how awesome he was. He could have did Pokemon stuff. He could have, he could have did superhero stuff. No, the reason why he walked on water is because he wanted them to know, the disciples, that even storms can't keep him from them because he is a lover of men's souls. He is the great hero of our soul. Those disciples were afraid in the boat. He wanted to show them, I'm greater than this storm. See, he came so you would know who you were. He, you would know who he was and what he was offering you. And so that's grace. And are you thankful? Ishmael, would you just think something about thankfulness right now from your own words? A few moments right now. Come on, four more, four more minutes before we leave out. If you're right now, I want us to be thankful and then we'll pray. But I want you in your own words. Are you thankful that a king didn't come to conquer you with a sword, but he came to conquer your heart? You've made me glad. Hallelujah, Jesus. 
think about God and His goodness and today. I'm forever thankful You've made me glad, God And I thank You Just on your own right now, altar workers, come in my darkest hour, in your own words, tell him thank you. In my midnight hour, thank you, Jesus. Where sin was destroying me, God. Thank you, God. You made me glad. Thank you, Jesus. Cross you made me glad. And I thank you. Two more minutes. The last minute, I'll close out and pray. So right now, come on, just give it to God. Don't wait for an altar worker to have to pray for you. Don't wait for the band to sing a song you know. Just say it in your own words. I'm thankful for the grace of God. I'm so happy that he saved me. I don't want to forget what he's done for me. I don't want to forget. He came to conquer my heart. Conquer the storms of my life. You were light in my shadow. He came. Jesus came for me. Oh, and you set me on high, God, and called me your own. Some of you right now, get the imagery. God wants to dance with you. If it's weird for you men to think about it, think about it. Imagine being a child and your father taking your arms and putting it around a bat and him swinging the bat with you. That's another way to think of participation. God is saying, I want to participate with you. I want to show you how to hit a home run. I want to show you how to hit the ball. Come on, son. Come on. I want to show you. I want to show you how much I love you. Participate with me. Participate with me. Grow with me. 60 more seconds. 60 more seconds. We want to increase. We want to increase. We want to grow. We want to grow up, Jesus. We want to grow in grace and never forget what you've done. Oh, you've been so good, so good. You've been good to me. Nothing but good, nothing but good to me. Amen. As I begin to close out, the band's going to prepare a song to sing in closing, something that we all know. The altar workers will be here to pray with you. If this is your first time here, those who are standing at the altars in the front are here to pray with you. They are here to hear your request uh, for healing or for any emotional need. Women with women, men with men, that's why they're there. And those of you who have been faithful to church for a season, you know about them. You can come. And you can ask them today to pray with you about any of those areas you need to grow in. Goodness, kindness, self-control, etc. But as we get ready to go, may you make a declaration in your heart that you're going to make it personal. You're going to grow in grace. Let us pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for this message. We commit to growing in those qualities of faith so that we might grow in grace. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, can you bless them one more time as you say amen? Come on, we love you, Lord. Slap your neighbor high five and say it's time to grow in grace. Look at your other neighbor and say it's time to go in grace. God bless you. Have a great week. Come up if you need prayer or join with us in worship. God bless you.
Love came down. Came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. And I am yours. God bless you as you go. If you want to stay and receive prayer, come on or join with us in singing. God is so good. Sing out, remind my soul that I am yours. I am yours. I am yours. For all my days, Jesus, I am yours. I am yours for all my days, Jesus. I am love came down, love came down and rescued me, love came down and set me free. I am yours, I am forever yours. In high or valley low, I sing out my my soul soul that I am yours. I'm forever yours. I am yours. I am yours. For all my days, Jesus, I am yours. I'm yours forever. I'm yours, I'm yours forever. 
I'm yours, I'm yours forever. Because love came down. Love came down and rescued me. Love came down and set me free. I'm yours, I'm forever yours. Mountains high and valley low, I sing out, remind my soul.